It's time for the spring sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores. Capital Mazda, Stevens Creek Mazda, Concord Mazda, and Team Mazda. Hey, it's Shondell Grand. And right now, we've got a huge selection of brand new Mazdas with exciting spring incentives across our entire lineup. Plus, you can buy your new Mazda completely online with our exclusive no-brainer checkout. Don't miss the spring sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores in San Jose, Concord, and Vallejo. Welcome to the Stanley Cup Playoff Report. Here are Dan Rusinowski and Drew Remenda. The Shark season may be over, but it's time for the Stanley Cup Playoff Report on the Sharks Audio Network. And Drew, it seems like yesterday we were finally talking about the Stanley Cup Championship for the Colorado Avalanche. But since then, we've had a full season and we've already had one day of the Stanley Cup Playoffs. And I must say, it was an amazing start. It was really fun hockey except for the injury of Joe Pavelski which we'll get to two overtime games um which were spectacular the the games were close checking just like playoff hockey they were fun to watch with some sharks ex former sharks were very heavily involved it was a very exciting first day and I, it's just going to get better we knew that the first round of the playoffs were going to be really exciting as they usually are and a lot of fun but this year, because the teams are so evenly matched, so many 100-point teams, so many top teams, some rivalries renewed, we knew this was going to be a very fun first round. Well, it was fun, and it all started with the Hurricanes and the Islanders on Tobacco Road. And, of course, very prominent in that game, a couple of ex-Sharks, but it all started out with one of their leaders, Sebastian Ajo, getting a goal. Let's see if this power play can lock it in early. Canes had the 20th overall power play in the regular season. Islanders had the 9th overall kill, and Carolina scores on the power play. Wasting no time, Sebastian Ajo, five seconds in to the man advantage. Well, yes, that is exactly how it all finished off, but the key to it all was a beautiful pass by Brent Burns, which was a brilliant cross-seam play. Uh, just a great reaction by Burnsy. Well, the thing that bugged me about that too was not talking about Burns play as, as just, it was a good pass by Burns. Burnsy gets the puck. First of all, win the draw. Burnsy gets the puck back. It goes back to the D goes over to Burnsy. He looks back at, uh, I can't remember the other D man who, who gave him the pass. And he's not even looking at Aho when he makes that pass perfectly in his wheelhouse for the one timer. It was a, it was a typical great Brent Burns play. But what a play by Burnsy, and, and that set the tone right there. But it was a very tight game. Boy, was it ever. And, of course, Burnsy made a major impact on another ex-Shark who ended up getting the game winner. Jarvis with it. Nace inside of the net. Back to Jarvis. Minute 20 left on the power play. Nate just with it now. Backhand pass. Burns don't score! Net front's there. Howitzer from Burns is there. Another power play goal. It's 2 Stephen Nason, Brent Burns. We always have a little joke in the Sharks broadcast department. We say, where can we get players like that? Yeah, exactly. Um, I thought Burns, he was the best player on the ice last night. Nason, great job of standing in front. You know, just just perfect. He just knew what, knew what to do. And um, I, give, I give the Islanders a lot of credit. I thought that they played extremely well, played hard, checked well. But Carolina was just, they were really efficient, Danny. Really efficient. And I liked I liked the way that they came out in that first game. 
Yeah, for, for me, the big question was, how is Carolina going to handle the, the continued challenges they've had? Just really a good job of, of staying even keeled. They've got, they got the saves they needed from Antiranto, which was an interesting choice for Rod Brindamore. But uh, when it came down to the end for Brindamore, it all came down to Brent Burns and his elite play. In fact, that was the word that he used after the game. That's what we've seen all year. So, I mean, he's an elite, elite player, and, uh, you know, you can see it out there. He could have had a few goals. Tonight. Very, very impactful. But as you said, Drew, on the other side of the ice, the Islanders did really play well. And I thought uh, that we saw a lot of why they acquired Bo Horvat from the Vancouver Canucks in this game. He, he's just he's going to be an important player in this series. Yeah, he is. And Matthew Barzell came back last night after missing so many games. Uh, he looked OK. I thought he looked as the game went on. I thought he looked pretty good. Um, and, and when Barzell and Horvat get together and they start getting a little bit of rhythm, they'll, they'll be more of a challenge. But. Um, I agree with Rod Brindamore. Brent Burns was the best player on the ice last night. Absolutely elite. And um, I said to Michelle as we were watching the game last night, I said, it's good to see Burnsy back in the playoffs. The other series out there in the East Coast between Florida and Boston is going to be pretty darn good, too. Although, uh, you know, the usual thorn in the side, Brad Marchand got a lucky break when Alex Lyon missed the puck. And Lundell drills it ahead. Intercepted by Orlov. He'll spin it up the middle. Now McAvoy, left wing, Marchand. Left circle, shoots, he scores! Brad Marchand with a wrist shot off a line, glove, and it trickles in. Bruins two, Panthers nothing. That's his 50th Stanley Cup playoff goal. Now they got excited out of that. That was Judd Surratt on Bruins Radio calling the action. And you know what's funny is that Boston is so heavily favored in this, Drew. But yet Florida came back. And Matthew Kachuk, who's just been just a, a godsend to this hockey team all season long, found a way to get the goal in his hometown. And out go the Panthers onto the Wolverine and gets across center. Puck dumped down to our right. Around the end boards it goes. It's played out front. A shot. They score. Matthew Kachuk off a Bruins turnover. And he gets the Panthers back to within one. 13.26 to go. Yeah, that that certainly was the way it was done there. Doug Plagan's calling it for Florida Panthers radio. I, I really like this series, and I really like the Kachuk factor because he's in his hometown. He's got the swagger that the whole family seems to have, just like to, just like the dad, Keith Kachuk, and it's going to be a good series. It is. I thought last night, though, that the Panthers gave what they could for 40 minutes, and then after that, it was the Bruins' excellence. The Bruins know how to lock stuff down. Although the Panthers, I will tell you, for 40 minutes, Danny, they owned the front of the Bruins net. They sent guys to the net. Their D, they were terrific at going low high. Low high shoot, low high shoot, low high shoot all the time. They were outstanding at getting pucks to the net. And um, Linus, Linus Olmark had to be um, on top of his game. He was really good. I thought the Panthers, for 40 minutes, were a better team, to tell you the truth. But... When the Bruins get are the Bruins and they've done what they've done, they're one of the best third period teams in the National Hockey League this season. They just locked it down and they and they just kept working and kept working. And eventually the, the Panthers just could not um couldn't overcome that that goal by Marchant. Um interesting, what a different team they are, the Florida Panthers from last year to this year. You know, they're better. They, no, they are they are. Remember when Paul Paul um Maurice talked to us when we were there and he talked about changing the way that the team played and trying to get them to figure out. And he started, and he said, I think our team is starting to get it. 
but they were up and down, up and down, up and down. And even till how many times did we think going into the playoffs that they were out, that they had blown it, that they, there's, there's no way they're making it. And then they rattle off six in a row at the end and, and they make the playoffs. So they, they are a harder team to play against. Last year, they were getting ready for the playoffs. This year, they were trying to make the playoffs. And I think that intensity of trying to make the playoffs showed up in yesterday's game. Here's an interesting factor. I want you to remember that phrase, lock it down. I want to remember, remember the phrase mature <laughs> hockey, because we're going to get to that a little bit later in the show. I think all of those things are really going to start to come up. But those two series uh, off to good starts. Bruins, as you'd expect, up one game to nothing over Florida, but the Panthers are going to make it tough. And the Islander Hurricane series, I think, is going to be a lockdown defensive battle. That's going to be an interesting uh, series to see. Now we move on to the Minnesota Wild and the Dallas Stars, the two cousins uh, in the series. Of course, uh, you may remember that uh, the Dallas Stars used to be the Minnesota North Stars back in the day. And indeed, the, it was pretty intense. It went to double overtime. But what everybody's talking about is this. Dumba slows down hints. Pavelski follows it up. Joe Pavelski hammered in the corner and flattened to the ice by Dumba. He's hurt and a whistle. I don't think there's an initial penalty call, but Pavelski is out cold. Where have we seen that before, Drew? It happened again, although in this particular case, not under the same circumstances off a of faceoff. Matt Dumba, who's known for throwing his weight around, came in a little bit horizontally, but Joe Pavelski had his head down. And as it turned out, they did something that they couldn't do back in 2019. You may remember in that particular game that uh, it was game seven, Sharks and Vegas Golden Knights. Pavelski goes down. They give they issue a five-minute major. Sharks score four times and win in game seven against Vegas. Isn't it ironic that Joe Pavelski is on the ice in this situation and Pete DeBoer's behind the bench? But because of the way they changed the rules, they were able to look at it. And I'll be honest, I think they got the call right. Yeah, I've I've been debating this, Danny, since last night's hit. I, I watched that game was fantastic game to watch. It was it was everything you think about when it comes to playoff hockey. Initially, on watching that hit live, I thought it was a high hit. I thought it was um, late, and I thought it was a five-minute major. I, I'm with you. Yeah, and then they showed it again and again and again. And, that's, and this is this is the thing about watching hits in in slow motion. Sometimes they make it look worse. Sometimes they make it you go, oh, not so bad. Watching it again, um, I didn't think it was a bad hit. Besides, it was late, but he does Dumba still still does elevate into the hit. It's still a blind side hit. And the reason it's a blind side hit, and I think it was, was it Brodeen who was, who was uh, Dumba's partner there? I believe that's <clears throat> he, right. Yeah. He's skating back and um, he kind of blocks Pav's vision because Pav's throws the puck to the net. And um, I think that, that he doesn't see Dumba until it's way too late. It's it's a hit shoulder to shoulder, but from the one angle, there is some some head contact, and then he, Pav's head bounces off the ice, which was ugly, and that's what put him out. Um, I could argue this either way. I thought it definitely was was interference because it was it was at least one Mississippi before because the puck is already way off his stick, and Dumba isn't even close to Pav's yet, and then he gets laid into and he does elevate up and Dumba's not a dirty player but he is a mean player earlier in the year just a few weeks ago 
he lowered the boom on Yevgeny Kuznetsov in a blindside hit. Then a couple of weeks after that, he does the same type of blindside hit to Drew O'Connor um, in Pittsburgh. So Dumba's a hard guy to play against. Dean Everson's got a hard team to play against. They, he said last night, if we're not physical, we're not good. So I argued this hit with myself a lot. And maybe it's because of our bias against our, our bias for four pounds, because we love the man so much. He's such an outstanding person, outstanding player, a guy that you want to have around you and your teammates. So watching him go off the ice like that was was hard to watch. But I, I, in the long run, I look at this and I go, yeah, you know what? I can see this hit as only being two minutes. Um. But this could go into a longer discussion of should this hit be because it is contact that ends up directly affecting the head. Is this hit the type of hit that we still want in playoff hockey? Finishing your check? Yes. But Dumba hadn't even started his check yet. I know I'm arguing in circles right here. I'm trying to just find a way to say it was a dirty hit. I don't think it was. I don't, I don't think, think it was. was I, I think it was borderline without question because yeah. he, he's going to finish the hit. but. To be honest, this is something that during the regular season, they would look at a little bit more, shall we say, strictly simply because it was a bit of an east-west move and they don't like that. So that's the thing that they're going to look at. And you know what? Uh, it doesn't matter what they call on the ice, even after the referees. The Department of Player Safety still does have the option to do something about it. I don't think they're going to this I time, agree. but we'll see how it all goes now. What, what do the coaches think of all this? Well, Dean Everson certainly loves that physical brand of game, but to, but he had this to say after the contest. Yeah, you never want to see that, right? I mean, I don't care who you're playing against or you don't want to see anybody get hurt. Um, but I'm glad that we have video review um, because it does, it looks like he you know hits him in the head, but obviously if you watch it, the stick hits him and... Um, you know, so uh, obviously we believe they got it right, um, but you still don't like to see anybody lay on the ice like that. And on the other side of the ice, head coach Pete DeBoer, who certainly saw this before with Joe Pavelski back in 2019, talked to the media about the Pavelski hit. Joe's okay. Um, you know, obviously uh, he's banged up, uh, hit his head on the ice when he fell. Um you know, we, we have the best officials in the world, and, um, you know, they they called a five, they reviewed it, which is the right thing to do, and, you know, if they reviewed it and decide it wasn't a bad hit, then, you know, uh, I guess it's not for me to argue with that. I mean, they, they got to look at it at a multiple different angles, and that was the decision they made, so, you know, we've got we've got to live with that. Pretty measured arguments and comments by the coaches, which you start to see a lot more of during playoff time, don't you? First off, Pete DeBoer, so smart. It's game one. You lose one of your top guys. Your base reaction is the one you want to get out there because it's the easy one to do. But Pete, on the bench, calm, collected. Off the ice at the end of the game, calm, collected. Because he knows it's a seven-game series. He knows that for his team, the important thing is moving forward not focusing on that. You don't go after the refs because it's a seven game series. You got six more games, maybe less to, to have those refs officiate you again. Contrast that with the hit on Joe Pavelski in the Vegas series and Gerard Gallant's reaction and what happened with Gerard Gallant's team 
in that stretch. And Pete DeBoer's team, even though they lost this game in overtime, Pete DeBoer's team moving forward here. That's right. And it it was double overtime, by the way. This was a crazy game. The shots were 53-48 in favor of Dallas. In spite of the Pavelski injury, it ended like this. Cut off in front by Harley, who couldn't get it out. Here's a turnover open in front. They score! They score! Ryan Hartman helps the Wild steal game one off a bouncing puck in front. Turnover. Off a turnover. How many times have we seen that all season long? And it's going to happen, and it's going to really get elevated in the playoffs. And, you know, talking to Pete DeBoer after the game, he had uh, these comments. Yeah, I I didn't like our start. You know, sometimes it's easier to start on the road in these game ones on the in the playoffs so I didn't like our start I thought you know once we started to play in the latter part of the second period the third period in the overtimes you know we uh, we really put a lot of pressure on them you know both goalies were good we hit a couple posts you know those those are that's playoff hockey that can go either way you know I think if there's one thing I'd really like to clean up is is just our start to the game you know it was uh, we, we were standing around for the first 30 minutes, took some penalties, just uncharacteristic stuff. There's another play by a coach, but that knows what he's doing. He's getting things set up for practice the next day and for game two. Meanwhile, Dean Evason was celebrating the win. You know, it was a great hockey game. The flows were back and forth. And I mean, the overtimes, obviously, there's some unbelievable looks and great saves. And the hockey game had everything, Um, you know. So, yeah. We're happy the way that we held our composure and all that good stuff that everybody talks about in the playoffs. We we did it tonight. We got to do it again. I love listening to both these guys. First off, Dallas dominated the third period and overtime. Dominated it, and um, they did hit a couple posts. They were all over them. I thought the refereeing was suspiciously absent in the overtime. They went back to the old school. Oh, we didn't we didn't see that. There were a couple of calls Dallas should have got, but. For it, it's it's typical sometimes of what we see. Typical sometimes is an oxymoron. I can't say that. Sometimes we see this in in overtime hockey in the playoffs, where one team dominates, dominates and dominates, and then you know Hartman, who got hurt in the overtime, just a few shifts before, you get tangled up in front of the net, and he could hardly skate for crying out loud. Gets that puck to just. Turnover off the boards on a rim on a rim that I I don't know if it hit something on the boards. It just hit a stick and pops right out. And then Hartman makes a nice move on who Ottinger, on Ottinger who was spectacular. I mean, both Gustafson really and good. Ottinger were great. Yeah, really, really good. Really, really I, good. Yeah. I mean, you you could say that maybe one goal Gustafson gave up early. You could question, but yeah. uh, you know that was really basically it. And this is uh, his first big playoff game. Don't forget they've got Mark Andre Fleury. Same say. thing. Same thing with Florida. They've got Bobrovsky sitting there, and I'm interested to see if Alex Lyon they come right back with him in game two. Well, Lyon won those six games in a row. I mean, he he got them to the playoffs. That's why Paul Paul put him in, but. Um, it was interesting choice by Dean Emerson, wasn't it, to go with Gustafson? It was. Remember, he went with Flurry last year, and they didn't win. Yeah. So maybe that yeah. had something to do with it. Yeah, maybe. So and if, and Flurry's Flurry's going to be okay with it too. He's going to be able to jump in, and, and they're going to need him in the playoffs. There's no, no doubt. I, I think so. I think so. Without doubt, this is that was a, a really good playoff game last night. Really good. We move on to what I'm going to call the marquee event for game number one (laughs) in the Stanley Cup playoffs. And that, of course, is the Pacific Division. The Edmonton Oilers and the Los Angeles Kings. Drew, where do we begin with this contest? (laughs) Well, um, 
the Oilers started out really well, Danny. <laughs> yes, they did. But um, when when you look at the way this game went, you you see why the Oilers are so dangerous because they're so fast. Connor McDavid in the first period uh, draws two penalties. The Oilers score on the power play. Leon Dreisaitl gets two goals. The Oilers looked like they were in perfect control of this game. But Todd McClellan's team, they didn't panic. Todd didn't panic. They didn't open up the game. They, they, were, they were controlled. They knew that if they just played hard defensively, if they checked, that they would get themselves back in this game. And that's what happened. Well, what happened also is that Anjay Kopitar had a night for the ages. Yeah. He's 35 yeah. years old. He's been one of my favorite players to to broadcast in the NHL over these last 32 years. And he's somebody that you, you can see him thinking on the ice. And the thing is, is that, that he put himself in a position to do something like this. Shot uh, from Deneau. Now Arvidsson for Doughty to Arvidsson. Left circle, moving down low, feeds it across. Shot, score! Kopitar tips it in! The shot from the right circle was deflected. Skinner got a piece of it. It was loose, and Kopitar knocks it home. With 16.7 seconds left in regulation, the Kings' third goal of the period has tied the game at three. Of course, in overtime, the Oilers thought maybe they had the game won. Looking to dish, high slot shot, score! Taking a look at it here. Drew Doughty says, no way, that's a high stick. I am on the crossbar, therefore there's no goal in play. It's a good call. Yep. So after all that excitement and then the call from the officials, the Oilers were back to square one. And, of course, that set things up for Alex Ayafato in overtime. Gives it back to the Kings captain. Doughty in the high slot. Kopitar left circle. In front. What timer score? Ayafalo set up. By Arvidsson, and L.A. comes all the way back to win it 4-3 in overtime. This is a, a, an amazing, amazing emotional night. And, of course, we saw Todd McClellan getting emotional right when Kopitar tied the game, Drew. But after the contest, he was a lot more measured and, of course, talking about uh, what's to come. We're all in it together. Um, players, coaches, training staff, management team, um, I don't know, we got 50 or 60 people traveling with us. Everybody's part of the team, and it's emotional for everybody. That's that's what happens in playoffs. Uh, there's a lot of highs. There's some lows, and, um, you know, you, you get excited, but we've already got to turn the page and move on. Now, McLaughlin was also talking about this, Drew. He was saying that the Kings did not play Edmonton's game, and that's because they were prepared. Well, we've played them enough to know that we can't do that. And... Uh, you know, even down the stretch when we were down by two, it, we couldn't let it get to three. And we had to check for our chances, be patient, uh, use the clock as much as we could. And it worked out in our favor. Um, there's no guarantee that will happen again. Uh, but all we had to do was worry about tonight and prepare for the next game tomorrow. And as far as uh, slowing down the superstars, which was what the media was trying to focus on, <laughs> Todd was a little bit demure. 
Well, one of their superstars had two goals tonight. So, um, and the other drew two penalties to make it five on three. So they they had their mark on the game too. Um, and you're not going to stop them every night. And the the fact that we played hard, um, we got production from different areas, uh, different situations. I think was important, but. Um, Again, maybe the lesson we learned last year that we weren't prepared for is the, the level of plays going up immensely in, in game two. And we can talk about game one. We have to right now with you uh, as much as we want or, or need to, but we got to move on. Sounds like Todd was moving on already. Yeah, well, that's Todd. Todd's smart. I, you and I have talked about this before, that the, the job that Todd McClellan has done this year has been well, it actually started last year. No one expected them to get to the playoffs last year. They get to the playoffs. He's done such a great job coaching this year. Let's go back to Andre Kopitar, though, because what he said about Andre Kopitar at the end of the game was really telling. He said, um, expected and delivered. And he goes, I don't know how many times I've said that about Andre, but Andre played, what, 15, 16 years in the, in the National Hockey League. He's been expected to do this since he came in the league, and he continues to deliver. That's the sign of a superstar. You and I both admire him and the way he plays and the type of leader he is, but um, Todd, uh, Todd has done such a great job with this team. And, you know, I'm biased. We are, we both are when it comes to Todd McClellan. Yeah. Um, but that, that team, as you've heard him say, and he was, he's absolutely right. They didn't panic. They didn't open up the game. They knew if they play a certain way, they're going to be okay. Regarding Connor McDavid uh, first time in, I don't know how long that he went zeros across the board. Um, and a dash two, I do believe as well. So that was, that was really interesting to see. It sure was. And of course, one of the reasons for the dash two, remember that cross seam pass that he didn't quite get that, you know, that, that was an opportunity, obviously defensively yet, uh, you know, he's going to be there. And you know what? I I think the last playoff came, he might not have scored. He might've been against the sharks way back in 2017. They held him off for a lot of that series. You may remember, but of course he's matured a lot since then. Yeah, absolutely. And then he'll be fired up next game. And and it, it was a very smart game, but also an undisciplined game by the Edmonton Oilers. Um, the, the two power play goals, obviously huge. And Andre Kopitar's tie and goal, he he and I I think it's Arvidsson or Ayafalo is are right, like literally right in the crease by themselves as the puck squeaks through Skinner and is sitting there in the in the blue paint and and Andre tips it in. Um, and then the, the overtime goal was beautiful power play goal, but it was a bad penalty by Dayarnay who, who fell in overtime and then swung his stick and, uh, and, and tripped the Kings player. You can't take that penalty, those penalties in, in the, uh, in the NHL playoffs. After the game, coach Jay Woodcroft was asked about that penalty situation and he gave us uh, his opinion as to what he thought he saw. You know, my initial thought on on the uh, the play was that the player uh, stepped on the broken stick, but those are the things, um, you know, that happen in the playoffs sometimes. Just like Pete DeBoer, you're not going to say too much about penalties or anything yeah. else. You're just going to move right on. And Woodcroft was talking more about what went wrong. Well, I didn't think we played uh, particularly well in the third period there. Um, there were moments in that period where we'd like to have them back and um, we can be better. In the end, they scored a six on four goal with 17 seconds left or so uh, to tie it up. That was disappointing. Um, 
you know, and we couldn't find the the winner in overtime. But here comes the contrast. Talk to Leon Dreisaitl with two goals in the game, and here was his reaction to what happened. Yeah, it's, it's frustrating. Um, Got to be more more mature than that. Um, but yeah, whatever. Whatever. But the media <laughs> pressed him on what he meant by the word mature, and he went into it. It's a three-one game, and eight minutes left or whatever so um we gotta lock that down um so they made some good plays scored a couple goals and, but um yeah can definitely be a little smarter and more mature well there's that uh, phrase lock it down that you used earlier drew from leon dreisaitl and again the use of the word mature and saying that the oilers were not mature enough and yet the head coach of the oilers was saying something different here's what i would say i would think that that we have a mature group. Um, we've been through some battles here. Uh, we understand that, um, you know, there's things that we did well, but in order, um, you know, to, to find a way to win, uh, it's got to be for the full 60 minutes. And, uh, you know, we'll show some of the good and some of the stuff that we have to learn and get better from. It's going to be interesting. You hear the positive nature of all of the coach speak during the course of this show. But now we've got more coming up, Drew. we got the Rangers and Devils game one, Tampa Bay at Toronto, Winnipeg at Vegas, and Seattle at Colorado. This first round is just going to be spectacular. Yeah, it's, it's going to be a lot of fun. The talk, obviously, uh, is Tampa Bay and and the Toronto Maple Leafs. Maple Leafs have not won a playoff series since 2003. The Rangers and the Jersey Devils re energize and reinvigorate that rivalry that's going to be fun right go 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 devils right you want them to go to the conference finals <laughs> so the sharks get another first round draft pick exactly and when you look at when you look at uh winnipeg and vegas i know i know shark fans don't want to hear this but you know vegas had 51 wins for crying out loud and they used five goalies this year and they had a lot of injuries at one time the entire right side defense core was injured and out and they still got 51 wins they've done an outstanding job and, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to that. And can Colorado, can Colorado, it looks like McCarr is going to be back for game one. Yep. Can they recapture the cup? It's it going is to be good. Great. It's going to be fascinating. And we've got, we're going to have it for you during the course of the playoffs. Drew and I, a couple of times during the week, we'll have the Sharks playoff report, which we're going to close for today. You've been listening to the Stanley Cup playoff report. This has been a presentation of the San Jose Sharks Audio Network.